Now on the Business Radio X Network, it's the Self-Aware Leader Podcast with Coach and Vistage Chair, Linda John. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Self-Aware Leader Podcast, where we sit down with twice a month with successful executives and talk to them about their leadership philosophies, how they have risen to high levels of success, and how they are now leveraging their Enneagram power to continue their growth journeys. I am your host, Linda John, executive coach and certified Enneagram practitioner, and we are broadcasting from the Tucson Business Radio X studios, located in the Stewart Title and Trust corporate headquarters on Broadway in sunny Tucson, Arizona. Fitness expert Patricia Freiberg is my special guest for today's Self-Aware Leader podcast. Proudly sponsored by Vistage Worldwide, the world's most trusted executive coaching and peer mentoring organization. Patricia Freiberg is an accomplished health, fitness, counseling, and coaching expert. She has 20 years of experience as a conscientious, results-focused leader who assesses needs, develops innovative programs, and inspires and prepares clients to safely and productively reach their goals. In multiple past roles as fitness manager, instructor, and educator, Patricia is highly regarded for her ability to challenge clients in a warm and encouraging manner. Throughout her career, Patricia has been featured in and contributed to stories, amazing articles, DVDs, online videos, and television spots, including NBC's The Today Show. She is the creator of numerous award-winning fitness DVDs with specializations in pre- and postnatal rehabilitation, breast cancer survivorship, and several sports-specific indications. Patricia continues to work with many college-level and professional athletes, including NFL and NBA players. Patricia is a strengths-based coach rooted in positive psychology. She has been studying with the College of Executive Coaching throughout the year and expects to receive coach training certification from the College of Executive Coaching in 2020. She is also in the Conservatory for Improv at Second City Training Center in Hollywood. And in 2020, Patricia launched her uplifting and motivational podcast called Learned It From an 80 Song. Patricia earned a Master of Professional Studies in Art Therapy and Creativity Development from Pratt Institute School of Art and Design in New York and graduated from Spring Hill College in Alabama with a Bachelor of Arts in Art Therapy. She is the mother of two children and currently resides in Southern California with her husband. Wow, that is a lot. Patricia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Linda. Well, you are a fitness and wellness expert. You're also a clinical counselor, a coach, and most recently now a podcaster as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about your history with each of these various career roles and then how they've evolved and intersected to bring you to your current career passions today? It's so funny you say that, Linda, because as you know, pretty much throughout my life, I've been trying to find a way to bring my therapy career and my fitness career together. And, you know, I never really have found the right 
the right thing until now. And that is through coaching, because I feel that like in the fitness industry, you know, I'm definitely a coach for everybody who's in the room with me, right? Or when I'm online. And then, you know, as a therapist, obviously I'm there to to help, which, you know, as we'll talk about more later, um, as we talk about the Enneagram, but really how it all started was um, back in the mid 1990s, I was in this domestic peace corps uh, in Portland, Maine. I had just, um, it was called the Jesuit Volunteer Corps. So I had just graduated from uh, college at Spring Hill College in Alabama with, uh, I had a, it was our art therapy degree. So it was art and um, a specialization in psychology and a minor in theater. And I was moving up to um, Portland, Maine to be in this domestic peace corps to really look and see if, you know, did I want to really dive into this therapy career? And um, so I took on a job working with homeless mentally ill and working on a suicide hotline. And it was so funny because we had to live below the poverty level as part of our domestic, as part of this domestic peace corps. And I was, I had four roommates and we lived at the top of Portland, Maine, you know, at the top of the hill there, it was all called Munjoy Hill and beautiful. Like now it's like the place to live, but then it was a little, uh, dodgy, right? So back when I was there. So part of what was so interesting, how I got started was part of, um, you know, working on the suicide hotline at the end of the day, you know, my shift was from seven to 3 PM and at the end of the day, and it got dark in Portland, like especially in the winter around four. So I was feeling just really down afterward and really having a hard time managing all the feelings that I had been working with throughout the day and all of the calls that were people in crisis. So they gave a, the, the, the best part is that they gave us a gym membership to the YMCA. And so I would go after work to the Y and I would take the step classes and I'd take anything that they were offering, but I would stay there for a couple hours because I needed to just get it out. Somehow I was trying to find a way to take care of myself during this time. And then finally, I just loved it so much. I went up to the instructor and I just said, uh, hey, you know, I would love to teach uh, aerobics. It was called aerobics then, aerobics classes. And, you know, the thing is, I can't make any money during this time, but could we work something out that you teach me how to teach? And then I will teach for you for free. I said, how would that be? And, you know, lo and behold, I was, you know, teaching that 6 a.m. step class, you know, of just a couple months later. And it became very uh, important, obviously, in my career um, from the start. Right. Well, what a creative way to accomplish a couple goals. One, get your physical fitness, get great experience. You know, that was going to little did you know, probably how well that would serve you later in your career and, you know, do something good for the community and for the organization as well. Yeah, it was, it was really great. I was grateful for my first teacher, my first mentor. Yeah. So keep going then. And then how, how did the other careers start um, and evolve? Well, then I then next stop was uh, in New York City, and that's where I went to grad school. I, I did want to pursue being a therapist. And so I worked on a variety of different uh, psych wards in New York City. And, um, you know, I met my husband at St. Vincent's Hospital. Um, and throughout 
the time that I was there, I taught fitness to help um, pay the rent. Uh, so, you know, I taught at New York Sports Club, Equinox, uh, the YMCA uh, there in Brooklyn, where I lived. Uh, so, you know, I taught all different play, all different places at that time. And then um, at that point, my 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 he was my fiance at the time. We he matched. Uh, he's a physician. He matched uh, at Dartmouth. Um, in Hanover, New Hampshire. So we moved uh, from New York City to Hanover, New Hampshire, uh, where, you know, as a, as a resident, um, uh, and the fact that I really didn't know anyone there, I had a lot of time on my hands, right? And um, so I just continued to pursue, you know, getting my license as a therapist. So I had to get 3,000 hours to get licensed in the state of Vermont. Um, and sit for a couple exams so i did that and that during that time but at the same time i was driving to boston and studying pilates because i just i loved pilates it was um you know it felt so good in my body and it really helped me rehab you know my any injuries that past injuries i've had so i just fell in love with pilates so I, I did both careers at the same time there. I was able to do that in, in New Hampshire. And then we headed out to Chicago for fellowship. So he's at, he, at this point, he was at University of Chicago. And I found myself um, needing to uh, reinvent myself once again. <laughs> so here we are in, in Chicago. And I, I taught at East Bank Club. I start, became a manager there. So right when we moved there, I went right into the fitness industry and uh, began managing I did get a little burned out, I uh, will say, in, in New Hampshire, uh, working in community mental health, and uh, given how much need was there, um, that I that's why I, I when I first moved to Chicago, I stayed in the fitness industry, and I managed uh, the Pilates studio, so I went into management. That was my first real experience with management. Yeah, so it's, the, the whole um, counseling and therapy degree and career and whatever that you then were, uh, you know, sort of managing the rest of through fitness sort of evolved into a, fit, a fitness career and then into leadership roles, um, but always had this sort of the counseling training for sure still in your tool toolkit. Absolutely. Yes. And I and I did end up going back into the field there um, as I started studying at the Psychoanalytic Institute of Chicago and then went back into um, working at an intensive outpatient for eating disorders. So that was another attempt of trying to merge my fitness career with um you know, with the psychology field, right? So I thought, okay, perfect. Eating disorders, I can teach, you know, all sorts of things around uh, fitness. And um, yeah, so that's kind of how, how that part came together. And back at your door, you know, it's like, hello. <laughs> yes. I'm here. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I was, I, you know, from that point, um, I got pregnant, uh, and with my son, George, and at that point I knew that I, I really struggled to keep both careers happening and having a child. It was like, you know, your, your child becomes your next, your career as well. So I could not have my two careers and a child. I, I had to make a decision. 
so that's when we moved to California. Um, and my husband started working for Amgen uh, out here. That's how we ended up in California, where I got to start all over again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, um, you know, talk a little bit about the work that you did with developing the fitness DVDs and that type of thing. You, you know, when you do something, as you know, from your Enneagram, you don't just do it like, okay, show up, here I am kind of go for the top, like gold standard type level. And I think that's really what you did with your fitness career too. Yeah. You know, it was so funny because when I moved to California, it was tough. You know, I really felt like I was at the top of top of my game. You know, I was working intensive outpatient. Um, I was also still staying in the fitness industry, less of a management role at that point. Um, and then I was working at Harpo Studios in Chicago. So I really felt at that point I, I had made it right. And so then to move to California where I was like, oh, dear God, you know, like, First off, I'm an East from the East Coast, right? My parents are New Yorkers. And I was like, what are these Californian people? What, what are they like? You know, I don't even know. The, I had never gone this far west. I had never been to California. I The farthest I'd gone is Chicago, right? Yeah, you know, so cultures can be so different, you know, across the United States. So, yeah. Absolutely. And I did something that was just really probably the worst thing I could have done, which was I watched the uh, Housewives of Orange County to get a sense of what those Californian people are going to be like, you know, um, needless to say I had a panic attack Yeah, and, you know, I was like, Oh dear God, I can't go there. <laughs> so, yeah. So we got to California and, um, about a year into being here, I started getting calls from production companies, uh, to film, uh, fitness DVDs. And I was like, well, hooray for Hollywood. Lights, camera, action. Where do I sign, right? Well, you know how that goes. So I got my very first call back, which was like, hello, Patricia. Um, it's Adrian. You know, we just think you're so talented and fabulous, but, um, you know, you're a really big girl. And I just don't know how we'll ever have backup girls for you. So you can't see me, but I'm 5'11 and I'm very athletic. You know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm German and Irish, right? So I am, if there is a famine, you know, I know that my people are gonna be okay. All right, so just so you understand. You're gorgeous, you're absolutely. <laughs> I am of, of sturdy stock and proud of, of being as strong as I am. So, but that being said, um, you know, getting that first call back, you know, and hearing that I was like, all right, well, that kind of sucks. So then I got another call back and it was very similar. They're like, well, you know, we think you're great. I think you're next. Um, but just don't go off and get pregnant. Then I got the, the call, the call from the largest DVD manufacturing company in the world. And they're like, Patricia, you are our girl. We can't wait to feature you in this abs DVD. <laughs> and that's when I said, well, Becky, I need you to know that I am five months pregnant. And then there was some silence and like, well, we can't put you in front of camera. Not, not for an abs DVD. And I said, you know, thank you so much for thinking of me. And that lit a fire under me. I was like, okay, 
you know what? I'm going to go film my own DVD and I'm going to make it prenatal. And I called it belly beautiful workout because I wanted women to feel beautiful in their pregnant bodies. I filmed it in my last trimester where I was gigantic. I was still very, very fit. Um, but I was, I was large and, you know, you know, my, my older son was uh, almost, um, you know, he was nine pounds, six ounces when he was born, you know, George was, you know, substantial, uh, coming a little bit early. So it's, you know, I really, that was my goal was I wanted women to feel beautiful in their pregnancy. So I had belly beautiful workout. It was uh, a postnatal, which everyone told me don't film a postnatal because, um, they're not successful. No one will buy it. It was like my highest producing DVD, That's you know, huge I mean, I sold so many of those wow. in my postnatal. Right. And, um, Jeffrey was in, was in that, uh, my, my son, uh, he made his debut and then I did a breast cancer survivorship, uh, DVD all to benefit the breast cancer research foundation. It was called power for pink. Uh, then two more DVDs, uh, Belly Beautiful Workout Volume 3, um, and then a, a bottom line in a core defined, which that was really to get knowledge out there to people who have had lower back issues, who have had injuries, that uh, strengthening your glutes is the necessity. And I wanted everyone to have access to that um, because I got to so I've been working with the NFL and the NBA and, you know, I got to work with trainers that were, you know, uh, at proactive here in Westlake village who are the best, you know, trainers. And, um, and I got to see the best physical therapist and I wanted everybody to have that same knowledge, you know, that, that, that I got to have that helped me with my low back or that helped me with my injuries. So that's how I ended up with the bottom line. And then all of them became award-winning over time. And I still am selling them today, especially this summer. I don't know what it is, but uh, Jeffrey's DVD, my second one, you know, was selling again. And it was so fun. I, I felt like I had to give Jeffrey a cut. I'm like, you know, I think it's your cute little picture with your matching, with our matching spandex that's selling it. Love it. And we'll give you chances at the end of the show too. But while you're talking about, why don't you give a shout out to the website where people can find that DVD if they're interested? Oh, sure. Yeah, so it's www.patriciafryberg.com. But you know, these DVDs are also available on Amazon. Oh, that's wonderful. all of them. Great. And so we are fast forwarding to all of these interests and passions, and they're kind of just keep tapping you on the shoulder and um, merging and intersecting. And I met you in March um, when we were both students in the College of Executive Coaching. And as part of our coaching practice journey, you were willing to participate with me as your coach to process some of your goals through the Enneagram. So uh, we wanna hear more about your coaching practice currently and all the things that you're doing today as well. So why don't we start with that and then we'll do the big reveal on what your Enneagram type is. So I think it's so fun to listen to you talk now, knowing your Enneagram type and all these things that things you did that make so much sense through your Enneagram. So let's start with where you are today, and then we'll get a little bit more into the Enneagram. Well, I was in uh, fitness management, and I've been doing that uh, for quite some time here in California, both uh, in Pilates studios and then uh, uh, most recently in a luxury gym, Equinox, uh, as their group fitness manager. And I just stepped out of the role, uh, out of the corporate, uh, my corporate role, 
um, just this past, uh, it was November, because interestingly, um, listening to my intuition, um, something was telling me that I needed to, it was about time to step out of this role. Right. And um, I had a, a moment where it was, I knew that that was what I needed to do. And I had a big send off, brought in an amazing, some team building, had my last hurrah and was major there. I felt very good to pass the baton. Right. right. And, you know, just, just a couple weeks afterward, then my dad took a fall and, um, and then passed away nine days later. And what was interesting was that listening to my intuition and I, you know, and we'll talk about it more when we get to Enneagram, but I just had this loyalty. I can't, I can't let, I don't want to let people down. I, I had a hard time. I was conflicted about leaving, but I also knew that I had other goals that I needed to achieve and that I wanted to do. So stepping out of that role, it took a long time for me to get there. Right. But I had to put a bow on it. Like ah. literally I brought in Bo Eason, who's an amazing speaker. Um, I, I put a bow on it, put Bo Eason on it. And he came in and did an amazing uh, motivational speech for everybody. And then um, everyone got his latest book and then we were able to, um, I was able to feel confident in leaving. And it was just interesting that I got that nine days with my father, because if you think about it, it was December when my dad passed. And in the fitness industry, that is people are, even though people aren't going to the gym as much in December, let me tell you that the preparation for January starts at like November to get ready for January. It's called January readiness. And if I were, if I didn't step out of that role, I would never have had it that had that undivided attention, um, which we'll talk a little bit more with the Enneagram, you know, that undivided attention to my dad's needs and yeah. my need to grieve his, him passing. Yeah. And so for those nine days, it was, I was alone with, I, uh, with my family. It was just, it was all of us together at his bedside in home hospice. He had Parkinson's and had taken a fall. And then that was the end. Um, and, I got to grieve that time and I will never, I have no regret. I, I have no regret. Um, I've got to say everything I wanted to say to my dad. I got to tell him how amazing he is and the impact he had and the legacy he left um, behind. And, but it also taught me about legacy and it taught me about life is short and precious. And so I knew then that I wanted, you know, I wanted to go into the coaching practice. So, uh, and, and start going into that realm of things. And so that's how we met in March. And so in January, um, I couldn't get started fast enough. I'm like, don't you have any other courses I can be taking before March, you know? And so I just kind of let it lie and then waited till March. And, uh, and, 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 and now I'm, I'm starting to develop my coaching practice. I'm trying to kind of figure out where I fit in uh, to this. I will say that the strengths-based uh, coaching is really what I love to do. I, I love, as you know, I love connecting and I love to uh, talk about people's strengths, yeah. develop uh, them as, as humans. Yeah, and especially with some of your early experiences in counseling work and just some of those really tough stories to hear um with the coaching and being able to work with people's strengths and growing um 
you know, building upon what's, what's strong for them and what's good has to be just the better feel for you, I guess, than, than the earlier experiences that you had. Definitely. Yeah. Well, let's do the big reveal. What is your Enneagram type and what are your favorite features of that type? Okay. So my type is the type is type two and it's the considerate helper, right? Which is, um, 100% on, there was no question. Um, the attributes that both that resonate really with me uh, on this one is I am very warm. You know, I, I may be of a very physical athletic build, 5'11", tall girl, you know, statuesque, but I'm like a big old teddy bear. Like I really am warm. And I think that, um, that I disarm people with my ability to, to uh, establishing rapport is, 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 a, is some definitely probably my number one talent. I can um, walk into any room and talk to almost anybody. Um, yes. yes and have them feel comfortable in uh, relating to me. You know, um, one of the things that I was really picking up on that I know about you is, so each of the nine types for the Enneagram has one of three subtypes and yours happens to be social subtype. And when you're talking about, you can walk into any room and connect and make a connection. Um, And even the things you were talking about, your give back to causes, you're creating great promotions to support wonderful causes. Um, You're going in and offering to teach classes for free um, for business. I mean, all of those things speak so strongly to your social subtype of your team. So not only are you a caring helper, you care about the world in a way that really allows you to give that energy out to the greater good. So cool. Well, thank you. Thank you, Linda. And I really enjoyed this activity. I, I mean, I, this and learning these strengths and, and the coaching sessions that we had, because, you know, uh, yeah, it's just so interesting to, to, it's like, it's like reading your horoscope when it's spot on, right? It's like, wow, Enneagram, you really get me. No one seemed to get me my, my 47 years of existence. Nobody got me until now. Thank you, Enneagram. You know, <laughs> maybe I am kind of normal. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is a thing. <laughs> I'm a two. I'm a two. That'll be my excuse. I'm like, guys, I'm coming in. I'm a two. All right. So yeah, watch out. you have I'm it. A social too. So even, and then you really resonated as we started to talk about integration and the opportunities for you to hold on to the very best strengths of your type and then to take kind of take a look at some of the challenges and see where you can do integration. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your work with the wings um, and then we'll get into a little bit more. I know one of your ahas is about your line of release, but let's talk about the wings first. What'd you learn about the wings? Yeah, well, you know, um, <laughs> I mean, I have to say it like I, I'm exhausted even saying this out loud. I, achiever is the third uh, competitive achiever yeah. and that resonates with me. And um, yes, uh, well, a yeah. lot. Just how you take things on and you go to the very top, you know, like I said earlier, you don't just show up, you create the gold standard, <laughs> which, whatever that is. You know, and I, I, it's a drive, you know, it's just there. And I, God, I wish I could turn it off sometimes, you know, uh, shut it down. Uh, but it 
damn it, it's there. And it's, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, like here's, here's a perfect example. So I had filmed two DVDs in one day, you know, because it's expensive to get production time, right? So I was trying to maximize the 16 hours I had and film two DVDs, right? And that night, my husband and I had a, had a date. After I finished, we were going to go stay the night at the Four Seasons, and we were going out for dinner. So we're at my celebration dinner because I had just had that long day. It was probably 9 p.m. at that point or 10. I don't even know when we ate. And I, he's like, well, cheers, you know. What a success. You should feel so good about what you did today. And I'm like, well, let's talk about what's next, you know. <laughs> I mean, that was like my 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 because like god he's like can't you just like listen to what you did today and be proud of that um, and i'm like no that's done now it's time to think about my next steps what is that what are my next steps yeah the opportunity to savor the success is tough for the type three and you have a really strong type three wing so now your and other the, thing is the type one which is yes Vancouver. Um, the true north, the compass, like knows the way from a gut feeling. Tell us what, how that resonates for you. You know, I was thinking about um, being a counselor, right? Mm -hmm. And and being a therapist and where I, establishing rapport with my clients was pretty instantaneous. Like I could do that pretty quickly, even for my tougher clients. Um, I would say that my gut damn, it's always right, you know, and I don't listen to it sometimes. And I get so frustrated with myself, you know, I'm like, why didn't you listen? Like it told you, I told you so, right? That's the competitive achiever when you've got those two together. It's like, I told you so, why didn't you listen? Um, and, and, you know, so I feel that uh, as a counselor, you know, the, the intuition and gut is really where, um, uh, allowed me to help people, allowed me to actually um, uh, treat people for depression, anxiety, all of that was my ability, my gut instinct on kind of where things are and what was going on. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's so great. We are enjoying a great conversation with fitness and wellness expert and coach Patricia Freiberg, who is sharing her leadership success stories and our work together coaching with the Integrative Enneagram. We will continue our conversation with Patricia Freiberg right after this short message. Hope you're enjoying the show. You're listening to Linda John, Executive Coach and Vista Chair here in Tucson. Hi, Linda. Hi, Mark. Well, Vistage Worldwide, why is it the world's most trusted executive coaching and peer mentoring organization? Well, Vistage has been around for more than 60 years, helping over 24,000 people in 22 countries make better decisions, become better leaders, and achieve better results for their companies, families, and communities. Mm. You see, Vistage uses a time-tested and proven issue processing model, which is a structured, thorough, and efficient approach to tackling members' most pressing challenges while optimizing their biggest opportunities. Well, it seems like that members uh, push beyond assumptions then and get to the real issues, Linda, helping them to better understand and to evaluate options, I guess, before making decisions. That is correct, Mark. And in addition to the peer advisory group meetings, 
Vistage also provides individual coaching to help executives clarify goals, develop plans to achieve them, and then hold them accountable for taking positive steps toward achieving those goals that they've identified. Well, executives, it sounds too good that you cannot afford not to look at this, okay? You can be part of the powerful group simply by contacting Linda, your Visage Chair and Executive Mentor. Now, this is uh, her email, direct address. Write this down. Linda.john at VistageChair.com. Linda, L-I-N-D-A dot John, J-O-H-N at VistageChair.com. And then, Linda, what happens? And then next we will talk about your vision for what could be and get you on the road to becoming a better leader, making better decisions, and getting better results for your business, family, and community. Linda.John at VistageChair.com. And we are back with Patricia Freiberg, fitness and wellness expert and strengths-based coach who is sharing her experiences with the Enneagram as we have pursued a parallel path of developing our leadership coaching practices. So Patricia, back to some of your uh, discoveries in our coaching together with the Enneagram. What would you say was the most impactful self-awareness or aha moment for you through this process? And how did you leverage that for your own growth? You know, it's so funny because when I saw that my release was creativity, I... (laughs) You know, it was like somebody hit me outside the head, right? It was like, okay, you know, because I've been gravitating to this, to the creative arts again, and um, like from improv. So I started with improv in January um, and gosh, I love it. I just love it so much. And it's such a great creative process. And you know what's so interesting? You, You just can't think. Like you have to say it has to come from your left side of your brain. And it's really training me to stop overthinking everything I say. It's exhausting. You know that it's the filter and and just being creative. And I I love I've been enjoying it so much. So we actually had a show in January. I was in February. I think I had a show, our first show. And then from and, and then half of our. Uh, improv two was actually at second city in Hollywood. And then we went virtual, but I've stayed in virtual classes and we do have virtual shows. So it's it's been fun. Gosh, That is so great. So what that discovery came from was what we call the line of release. So every type has both a line of stress that from a strategy standpoint, you can kind of toggle up from the point of stress to stretch to the, to the best part of that. But then the other line that's connected to the main type is um, every type has a line of release. And for you as a um, type two considerate helper, your line of release is the type four intense creative. And you just, you just sit there so beautifully. Like you love to go there. You have lots of examples um, of how you've got, think about even your early degrees and with the art and, and all of that. And, as we were coaching and um, you did share with me that I could um, tell this story, it was sort of like, well, if we're going to work on how you sort of deal with some of the challenges of type two, which is doing everything for everyone else, 
you know, um, and start doing more self-love, self-care, what would that look like for you? And you went right to, I'm going to paint. I got to build this little studio in my garage. It's going to be really cool. And I'm going to paint. <laughs> and there you are. It's like, that's just beautiful that you're so quick to be able to connect with that line of release in your artistic form. It's great. Yeah. You know, what's so interesting now that you're talking about it, my dad, um, who I uh, actually did a performance about my father um, uh, for Second City uh, for a storytelling class. And my, my dad was a woodcarver. And so when he he would go and I guarantee you his release line, I guarantee you was a four because he wrote about how, you know, how wood carving and going to his workbench, he could solve the problems of the world is kind of how he how he said it, you know, and he just was able to work things out. It was like meditation for him. Right. You're creating and you're doing and then somehow through all of that. You know, and the four is in the heart center. So you're processing emotions, um, mm -hmm. but it's very internally expressed type. So within the heart center, your two is heart all out to the world. Let me give, 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 give. And when you go to your line of release, you're giving yourself to yourself. You're giving a gift to yourself. It's all internal. And we even talked a little bit. This is kind of fun how with your podcasting that you do now. And your favorite place is to kind of hole up and even though you have lots of spaces you could go, holding up in your little closet where you can do your creative thing. It's this internal feeling that really gives you a lot of joy, I think. Yes. I mean, I, I, it's interesting that I keep going to my closet and, uh, I, I, my joke is like, what do extroverts do, you know, during a pandemic? Well, they start podcasts so they can talk to people in the closet, you know, <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. So you're this externally expressed type two. And as, as you're dealing with sort of being good to yourself, that's where you end up in your internal creative space. Literally and figuratively. <laughs> yes, definitely. And I, I've enjoyed our work together so that I can, you know, really understand and be reminded of the importance of the release and of, you know, being in that creative space. And it's funny because simultaneously, you know, as I've been in therapy, you know, I've, I check in with the therapist uh, throughout the year. And part of my work has been about, um, uh, she says, uh, Joan, um, she says, uh, there's human being and human doing, and I have been doing a lot of human doing. <laughs> so true. I mean, that is your biggest opportunity for growth is just being spending more time for you. And mm -hmm. so that's what, that was a big aha discovery. And, you know, as we've talked about, and I know I've said it on my show before too, is just that this study, this research study that was done by Cornell University talked about the power of self-awareness in developing leaders and leadership skills. And it's almost like sometimes if you got to get look at, hit over the head or see it on a piece of paper to put the mirror in front of you and be like, wow, I'm doing all of this in your case for everyone else. And I could really benefit from a self-awareness standpoint of just turning that around and giving back to myself. And that's what your forum is allowing you to do. Yeah, it's so interesting that you talk about leadership and um, and the, the Enneagram. I feel that, you know, having the knowledge 
is one thing, right? So having the knowledge um, that you provide is really telling. Right. But I feel like corporations can't stop at that. They can't stop at just showing people what their strengths are. It's There has to be a level of of coaching around how to best use their strength and knowing their blind spots yeah. and really diving in deep so that like, cause I've been in uh, situations where I've learned about my strengths, but we never really talked about no. how, how, how do I, how do I be better in my role? How yeah. do I uh, be better to myself? You know, right. so that I can be more productive. Yes. yes. And that's like you said, regardless of the assessment tool that you're using, doubling that or coupling that with actual coaching is the real key to having these opportunities for growth. And you and I both know that having been in a lot of ongoing learning uh, over the last several months with the coaching industry. Yes. And then, you know, what else is I was thinking about was how the leaders, you know, if, if you have your management team um, taking these types of strengths, you know, as a leader, we need to understand what the, each of those um, subtypes or types need. You have to understand the needs of, of your team, right? Yeah. So for me, I'm my uh, obviously considerate helper. I'm also achiever. So I, my pro productivity is very high. Um, I take on everything and I look as though never let them see you sweat. Um, I, I look as though I'm handling everything well. And I typically I am right. But what I need as a considerate helper is an attaboy. Like I need, I, and I, and I, and I'm, you're never going to hear us ask for it ever. Like we're, in fact, I think like toward the end, uh, when I knew it was the end, I'm like, can't someone just give me an attaboy? I'm like this child in a corporation. Like, can't someone just tell me I'm doing a great job? Sure. Yes. And twos really do need to know that they're appreciated. They're more than happy to do to do, but just don't, they don't need a lot. They don't need any no. huge party. Just thank no. you. You did an awesome job. That really made a difference in our day. That's it. But it's amazing. Yeah, that's it. That sometimes that's so hard or just overlooked. And that's what you need. And that's what's so cool about the Enneagram. Absolutely. Is it's, it is starts with self-awareness. But once you apply it then through a team culture and you start focusing on other awareness and how do I show up that's different in my behavior than you based on my different motivations and my needs. Um, and so when you can apply this to the team structure, magic truly does start to happen in culture transformations as well. We yeah, talked so a little bit, yeah, we've talked a little bit about um, your passion for strengths-based coaching and the um, Enneagram that we did together was somewhat new to you as far as having taken it. Um, yes. Tell us a little bit more some of the assessment tools that you are familiar with some of the ones that you like to use in your coaching and uh, yes. you know, what, what correlations, um, if any, are you finding between those and the Enneagram assessment? 
Yeah. So, um, I, I'm, I, you know, in the, with the college of executive coaching, I'm taking the certifications in the via assessments and the Clifton. And I've really enjoyed, uh, I've enjoyed that so, so much. You know, I love the strength-based work. Um, so what's so interesting is, is the via character strengths. Uh, my, my number one is humor. Um, my number two is love of learning. Uh, number three is perspective. Um, social intelligence is four and then leadership is five for my character strengths. Uh And, um, for the Clifton, interestingly, um, individualization is number one. Um, and number two is achiever. Three. (laughs) Three is positivity, uh, communication four and ideation five. I mean, those words align with your Enneagram types that are the strongest for you. Exactly. It's, it's really interesting. Uh, You know, it's been such a cool process to see that they, these assessments are so, you know, so spot on. If you answer them honestly, you know, if you're willing to, you know, yeah. Say I need an attaboy. Like, cause you'll never, you'll never hear us ask for it, but I, I, you know, we're never going to ask for it, but you know, we need attaboys. You know, and that's, that's a really good point because coaching only works when a person has the level of readiness that's going to allow them to show up vulnerable and authentic. And like, this is where it is. If we're all trying to impress the world and how we answer the assessments or, you know, not bring out, the tough topics, you know, it's, 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 it's a waste. It's a waste of everyone's time and um, resources and energy. So that's a really good point. Anything yeah, else that you so wanted to comment on that piece of it, Patricia? No, I just, you know, what I've just loved is, is really the way, the, the way the Enneagram is set up, you know, yeah. with your wings. Oh, I know what I wanted to say was that I, what I loved about the Enneagram is that, you know, the areas where it doesn't connect. So for yeah. instance, I'm not directly connected to the five and as a counselor and as a therapist, I feel like five, you know, there needs to be some access to five. You need to be introspective. You need to be thinking about the best thing for your clients and all of that. And then I thought to myself, well, how have I been as successful as I have been in, in uh, patients and in, you know, throughout my life um, and the different roles I've led? And really what it boils down to is this. Um Rapport and my North Star, as I'm calling it now, you know, those two hand in hand really um, are instrumental, right? Um, That being said, supervision and talking to other therapists in confidence about clients, like we do in supervision, that's what we do as, um, yeah, so that I'm able to borrow and access the five in me through somebody else who's heavy in five, right? I love it. And because wouldn't you, you're, you know, wouldn't you say that even though people don't have a direct line to certain things, they are able to exercise some of those strengths, even though they don't have a direct line to it? You know, absolutely. And it's, we all have some of all nine types in us. 
you know, sometimes it's very low and sometimes you don't have a direct integration strategy for it. But I always start with the, you know, like the low hanging fruit. What are the wings? Where are the lines? Like those are the, and then, you know, the ones that are going to be more challenging. Honestly, I think one of the toughest integration strategies is when you go to your line of stress where you go, cause you're, you're like not in the healthy place. Whatever your line of stress is, you're at the unhealthiest version of whatever that type is. And you literally as a strategy have to kind of work around the unhealthy behaviors and feelings that are coming up to toggle and stretch to the high side of that. So I think that's even harder probably than trying to um, work consciously to access the types that you're not directly connected to. Um, but it's all about Very interesting. how do we integrate to the, knowing the best parts, the healthiest versions of, of each of the types and then picking and choosing when we need them in our lives. You know, um, when I co I've coached type nines before who are the adaptive peacemakers, one of the best strategies for a type nine who hates conflict and does not want to, you know, really speak up if they would rather just say, fine, I'll go along with the crowd. But one of the, but they might have some really strong opinions and great knowledge to bring to a conversation. So we work on tapping their type eight wing, the confident leader. And mm. so talking about when have you, when have you spoken up that's really been successful? And then practicing that. It's all an experiment. In the end, it's all an experiment. What's working? You know, what strategies work best for you? And if it doesn't work, like, oh, well, at least, you know, we tried that. And maybe next time you're in a situation, you can, you know, try it a little bit differently. So, but yeah. Yeah, that makes it's a, sense. It's a lifelong journey. It's, it, right. it, it just starts with kind of where, where your home base is and then how you venture out. Wait, what, what have you learned to be your blind spots? Um, with yeah. them or others. Yeah, I wrote them down. Um, uh, over focusing on others, uh, you know, yeah. and you know that was an interesting thing because I think I shared the story. I don't know where we are on time, but I want to make sure I'm, I'm a cognizant of that. Okay, um, so growing up, you know, my dad, you know, I'd go outside. I know I've talked about my dad a lot today, but because I I just lost him, it'll be a year in December. But um, you know. We were outside and he said, come on, um, you know, Trisha, come sit next to me. And, you know, and he, he says, you know what your greatest strength is? Your greatest strength is um, be your ability to put yourself into other people's shoes. And at the time, I, I really gnawed on that for a little while, you know, and, and I was young at the time. Um, and then it stuck with me because when I was a teenager, and, you know, when you are so teen, you know, I have a teenager, um, very egocentric. It's really all about me and, and the world must revolve. And that's, <laughs> and listen, it's all about the stages of development. So I'm not being critical of that age. Um, but what I will say is that, you know, I was like, well, what about me? You know, I'm, if I'm putting my, everybody else's shoes on, you know, what the heck, you know, dad, you know, yeah. how is that my best strength? You know, <laughs> and I was so pissed off. I was like, how could you tell me that's my greatest strength? You know, I'm putting on everybody else's shoes. And then as, you know, as I've matured and as I've, you know, understood fully and I'm not a teen anymore and I have yeah. grown past it, no matter what 
uh, people may say. Um, <laughs> um, I definitely uh, can see the benefit of being able to be have empathy to that level to mm -hmm. the, the. Yeah, it's definitely such a strength, but it's, it's also one of those things that's so interesting that that happened at age fifteen that you had that awareness brought out to you, and yeah. that now today what we're talking about is. How can you turn that around and focus more on, on you? And, you know, it's almost like a strength gone so far that there are opportunities for you to turn that around and, um, very, yeah, yourself. That Just is like true. Your angry 15 year old wanted all along your angry 15 year old <laughs> self wanted all along. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh, you have such a broad range of talents and I cannot let this show wrap up without talking about one of the things that has connected us um, is your, you know, creativity and combining all of your improv, I'm sure, and coaching. And you have recently started a podcast of your own. It's called Learned It From an 80s Song, which is such a fun concept. I'm going to let you tell more about it. Um, having binge listened to it, of your, to several of your first episodes, and now having been a guest on your show, I can attest to the fact that it's just a fantastic show and such a creative concept. So tell us about your process in developing this. How did it come about and how's it going for you? Well, you know, it's so interesting because at, you know, probably, I guess it was in January, February, I started back on that hamster wheel. You know, I had grieved my dad and, you know, I was like, all right, so I need to kind of get, get going. I was traveling with my corporate job again, or I was, you know, filming content. I was, you know, doing a lot of things. I was back on that wheel, right? I, I could feel it building again. And as I was in the car and driving around uh, to one job to the other, I, I just said, I was listening to Sirius Radio, 80 songs, and I had to pull over. Like I had to pull over and write it down. Like I literally was on the 101, I exited, and that's in California. And, you know, I exited and I sat and I wrote it down. I said, learned I, everything I, what it, the original title was everything I ever needed to know I learned from an 80 song. Um, and then it just, that was too long of a title. So then sure. it changed, learned it from an 80s song, but I wrote down storytelling, 80s songs, and it evolved into the strengths-based approach. So kind of looking at uh, pairing an 80s song that best resonates with um, the story that people tell. And everyone knows the power of story and how truly when you hear a story, science shows it. When you hear a story, you automatically put yourself into that person's shoes. Ha ha. And there it is. There it is. I too. <laughs> you put yourself into those, that, uh, those, that person's shoes and you're listening and you're absorbing it. So those lessons that people learned, you're learning by listening and the strengths that people are gained just by imagining what it takes to do what people did in those situations. You know, for your episode, it's about being out in that cornfield, detasseling all the corn at 15. It's like, 
everybody's right there with you and they they're feeling that grit they're feeling that perseverance and that resilience that you had at a 15 year old you know teenager and then everybody gains those strengths and if one person can be influenced by one episode and you've shifted somebody's brain or changed somebody's life you know your your work has been done then we get to talk about 80s trends which you know i am a child of the 80s so um there's nothing i like better than you know singing jingles and uh you know and as part of my research i have to listen to 80s music all the time so the best <laughs> my poor children honestly oh they God. i think they think that there's only 80s music out there oh it's just so creative i just i love again all these things coming together it is the empathy it, it and helping others it is your creativity it's the social subtype doing this for that you want these stories to impact the greater good i mean it just all makes so much sense and i'm really happy that you were willing to be a coaching partner with me through this journey. Um, I know I always learn so much as I'm coaching uh, others. And this is the thing, I have great stories of your coaching journey with me as well. So thank you very much for, for that. And how would you like our listeners to connect with you, Patricia? Oh, that's always the hard part. Um, yeah, so I guess the best way would be www.patriciafryberg.com. Um, on Instagram, I'm Patricia Freiberg. And my last name is spelled F-R-I-B-E-R-G. On Facebook, this might surprise you, but it is Patricia <laughs> Freiberg Health and Fitness. Um, and then we have Twitter, which I believe I'm Patricia underscore fit. But, awesome. yeah. you know, um, but yeah, that's, I'm not on Twitter as often as, um, as uh, certain people are. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes that might be okay. <laughs> so uh, anyway. Well, that's great. Yeah. I encourage our listeners to check out Patricia Freiberg. She is a multi-talented entrepreneur and it's just she's just a joy as a person i want to thank you patricia for sharing your leadership expertise and enneagram experiences with us on the self-aware leader podcast where we talk about leveraging your enneagram power to support continued leadership success congratulations to you on all of your current successes and on the launch of your new podcast learned it from an 80s song and thank you to our podcast audience for tuning in to another episode of the Self-Aware Leader Podcast. We will be back with another dynamic guest in two weeks, ready to hear more stories of successful leaders sharing their experiences of leveraging their Enneagram power to accelerate their leadership success. Until then, I am Linda John, host of the Self-Aware Leader Podcast, signing off from the Tucson Business Radio X studio in the Stewart Title and Trust Corp headquarters on Broadway here in Tucson, Arizona. Join us again on the Business Radio X Network for the Self-Aware Leader Podcast with coach and vestige chair, Linda John.